They're taking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of the top end pub. So I'm trialling the face buff, right? Just trying to be cool on the water, you know? But it was a bit choppy. Before I knew it, man, I'd whomed all inside it, carried up my nose. Couldn't do anything about it. So humiliating. I mean, uh oh. Smith. What's going on? Jesus, that the time. Oh, showtime. Great. Yeah, let's go. Quick, Hurry up. Drink get up. your bums in the boat and get on with it. Fishos and welcome aboard the mighty virtual vessel we call Tales from the Tinny. When a week where we are forced to think, we are forced to acknowledge and salute a genius, a genius, a southern cousin, old mate from Wooden Bong in northern New South Wales, who is proposing revitalising this sleepy hollow, this backwater, this forgotten backwater of northern New South Wales by constructing, of course. What else would you think? A wooden bong, a giant wooden bong. Now that is going to bring the punters into town with the territory economy flagging and shops closing. People asking questions. How are we going to turn this around? We have to salute old mate from wooden bong. Mm. Is this type of thinking, thinking from outside the cone, Tim? Thinking outside the cone. You know what it is, Rob? What is it? It's frothy waffle thinking. It is frothy waffle thinking. Good on that bloke. Good on that bloke. What could we have in Darwin, Tim? A, a massive wooden bong. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's, <laughs> that's obviously been done. And that wouldn't be... Now, the big bar has been done. Yeah, dull. What about the magnificent mighty mullet? Yeah, mighty mullet. A monster mullet. Mm. Mm. Towering in. above the harbour. We'll put, like, big pylons in the harbour. And it can be smoking a bong. <laughs> now that yeah? is going to turn business around. A smoked mullet. Uh, a monster, mulled up, smoking mullet. Uh, good on that bloke. Good on that bloke. Hey, how'd you cope with Facebook's outage? I, uh, you what? what? <laughs> I thought you'd say that. How'd you cope with WhatsApp being out? I... Oh, yeah, it was a misery. It was a misery, Tim. How'd you go with... It, is that the right answer? How'd you, how'd you go without Instagram? I was devoid. I was lost and lonely. Uh, at least, at least that fire smoking, that fire starting app Tinder was still up and running for oh, you, Rob. Oh, well, that's good. Uh, the world was in a lather yesterday. Ten hours without Facebook. Oh, is that the grinding and gnashing of teeth I heard? Oh, from, yeah. From the school children walking past my all the house young, on they got off the bus. All the young folk wanting to put up their photos of Barra and then hide the background and have everyone guess and get it wrong and say it was in Woods Inlet. They were gnashing their teeth. They didn't know what to do. Ten hours without Facebook. Thank God for that. It was a great break. Did anyone actually... Was there an outbreak of speaking to each other? Yeah. No, yeah, no an everyone outbreak avoided of that. conversation with mouths? <laughs> you know? That's, that's so... Face 90- to face. It's so 1980s, man. Get over it. <laughs> oh, dear. Timmy, it's lovely to be back. We were in touch with our, our feminine side last week. Yeah, I feel... International Women's Day, of course. I feel feminised. I feel very feminised. Rocky took the tiller. I think it was good for us. I think it was good to soften our approach, Mm. to be a little bit more caring and sharing it. But it's good to have the team back, Tim. I'm glad that you're soft... And and sensitive. ...and sensitised. But it's great to have the great duo back again. Well, it's not not quite us in charge of the the tiller this week either, Robert. I'm sorry to say. We're sharing again. Yeah. Beard is back. Oh, yes, with a vengeance. And he's kind of booted us out again. Okay. After a year, I think, on the, on the New South Wales south coast, he got a mic back in his hand, back on the tinny this week, and the chance to talk again to Territory fishers who were catching real fish, not Brim and Whiting, as he, he has been for 12 He got a little bit giddy, did he? He kind of he got a bit out of control and a little bit giddy, 
and he's doing most of the talking this week on Tales from the Tin. He just couldn't was, help himself. Was he like the diggingest dog? Yeah, he, he was. And you know what started it off? Was his first interview back on the Tinny with Lisa the Brave last week getting to talk to a bloke who caught a barra in its ass. Did you hear that story? Uh, a guy caught a, a 116 barra and uh, landed it via its ass. Uh, so Beard, back on the Tinny. Welcome back, Beard. He's back on the Tinny this week and you'll pretty he- pretty much hear his voice uh, ad nauseum because he's running the show this time. So I think I heard a boof. Holy crap. It was massive. There's another boof. You want to knock them on the head. Tales from the Tinny. Many fishers would be familiar with the sight on the harbour of a luxury cruise ship coming into dock and disgorge their gold chain bedangled sandal sock and tropically chic khaki adventure wear wearing. Mm, that's bang on actually. Many, many of them run gold jewellery. Oh, there's, I think gold jewellery must be cheap on these boats. They're giant lumbering vessels, cattle carriers for the rich and famous, <laughs> forcing you to take the long route to your destination on the other side of the shipping lanes. Well, during the week, one such lumbering giant, the MS Amsterdam, did just that, docking at 07.30 and scheduled to depart at 1800. That's Six o'clock. This better, were they trolling off the back of it? This better have something to do with fishing in the territory, Robert. You better be going, because I'm not interested in cruise cruise ship passengers otherwise. Stay with me, brother. Now, to quote an excerpt from their website, (laughs) whether wine tasting in Burgundy, zip lining in Costa Rica, or photographing penguins in Chile, shore excursions offer the comfortable, convenient, and engaging travel experiences you are looking for on shore. Not quite in Darwin. We're not going zip lining or wine tasting. Penguins are a bit light on the ground too, Timothy. So what to do with the eight or nine hours ashore? The intrepid Beard, who he said is not only intrepid, but is uh, like usurping. <laughs> Here's a microphone, Beard. Off you right. go. Here I go. Yeah. I've talked to some cruise ship passengers. Where'd you get that gold jewellery, mate? <laughs> yeah. What did it bite on? <laughs> the intrepid Beard heard whispers about an equally intrepid gaggle of punters from... The aforementioned uh, cattle carrier for the rich and famous. These mob decided to whip out on a quick harbour charter. Okay, here we go. Which would offer the comfortable, convenient and engaging travel experiences they were looking for on shore. Genius. Beard caught up with Nicole from Equinox to see just how the punters went. Cruise ship punters went very well. There were 16 people on, and you end up getting 16 jewies over a metre, so they were very happy punters. 16 jewies over a metre? Yeah, yeah, so it was, uh, it was really good. So um, we haven't had them, the abundance of that um, for a little while, um, just with the weather and all that sort of stuff holding us up a bit as well, but um, they have been a little bit more of a, the smaller Jews, but um, we have been leading up. Again, these Jewies are going to, you know, they're going to rear their heads very shortly. Um, and, yeah, they're definitely uh, hungry today. God, here I was holding back a bit on pronouncing a Jewfish Jamboree, but it is unequivocally on. <laughs> yeah, it was today, which was fantastic. So they seem to like the uh, the bit bigger tides, the Jewfish, so um, they like a bit of, bit of run. So, um, yeah, they were definitely uh, putting on a good show for us today, that's for sure. I just can't. I'm still coming to grips with, with the idea of someone coming in on a cruise ship, getting their breakfast, driven across town onto another boat, and then within like an hour or so, just <laughs> hooked onto a metre Dewey. Yeah, I know. They are absolutely wrapped. So um, they're going to come in and get some shirts and souvenirs and then head back over to the cruise ship and, and head back off again tonight, I think. So, oh. um, yeah, fantastic. Get them some merch. I've caught a metre Dewey. And now I want some merch. <laughs> yeah. What are they even going to do with a meter Dewey? Like, we're going to take it back to the ship and just take it down to the to the galley or something. Say, so, I've got something for you, chef. Yeah. Well, I haven't checked with them actually, but I do know that most of them are staff uh, on the boat, and um, they are chefs on the cruise ship. So uh-huh. I'm thinking that they might actually take them back and. Uh, and have a bit of a cook-up for themselves, um, but I'm not 100% sure. Isn't that just initiative? The chefs yeah. on the, the cruise ship saying, actually, let's just go out and catch some fish ourselves <laughs> and then bring it back yeah. and maybe serve some up. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure it'll just be for themselves. You were coming off the back of springs and sort of going to Neeps, uh, you know, mm-hmm. this weekend. What about other species? What about like the likes of goldies? When are you getting onto them? Traditionally, that's when we've been getting the goldies at the moment. Is more of your smaller tides. It's like up to what size? We've had a few get up to the five six kilo mark. So yeah, it hasn't been too bad actually on the on those. We've got them more on the full days there on the last set of neeps. Probably a nice, you know, a nice uh, nice table fish, but also a few bigger ones thrown in there as well, which is uh, which is great. All right, Nicole. Uh, thanks thanks for the catch up. I'm glad the. <laughs> the cruise ship punters did well today. And um, look, if we are in the midst of this Jewfish Jamboree, as it very well appears that we are, that's pretty exciting. Catch ya. Thank you, mate. Bye. 16 punters, 16 metre Jewies. Metre plus Jewies. And all chefs. So they had from 7.30 to... Six o'clock. And you've got to say, you know, the boys would probably have a bit of cleaning up to do after breakfast, you'd think. So they probably didn't get off the boat till, till what, 10, nine, nine, nine or ten. ten. And would have been had to be back on that is peeling a, potatoes for the next feed. That, that is a strike mission. Forget strolling through Smith Street with your camera and buying a crocodile oven mitt or a, <laughs> or a see you in the NT T-shirt. Yes. Although they're pretty much banned. They're getting rare. They're like penguins. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like penguins in Get out Char- past Charles Point on your stop off. Well, that's just as good as Costa Rica. Get a meter Dewey. Come back and wash it off and sit on the promenade having a, what did you have, a little cocktail? Someone mm. will cook up your Dewey for you? As you're sailing out of the harbour Off and the admiring <laughs> the smoking monster mullet in the harbour <laughs> on the port side on the way out. <laughs> what? Hey, why aren't we ambassadors for the Territory Frothy Waffle campaign? The fishing was a little bit slower than usual. Getting them to eat was another thing. Still firing on two cylinders. It's disgraceful, really. Tales from the Tinny. Bloody disaster last week, Timothy, for one of Darwin's favourite fishers. An icon, almost. No, he's not almost. He, he is. just is. He is an icon. The man who's caught an extraordinary 1,196 barra. That's 1,196. That's not 2,000, Tim. This is how precise the record-keeping is of this man. The man they call the land-based sensei, Hirakai Nakamura. Hi, hello. Uh, I'm a hero. Yeah, I was involved in a traffic accident on Friday. Visitor from a foreign country at work asked me to guide him uh, through Darwin. It was so sudden, turned down his proposal once, but uh, he pestered me to guide using a rental car. So uh, I decided uh, to go to Thrifty for making a booking. Two lens car stopped for me. I waved a hand to George driver. I started to turn light. At that time, I couldn't see any car coming in the third lane. Unexpectedly, a 70 kilo speed white Toyota hit my scooter. My body went on the bonnet because uh, Toyota's Wind seeded glass smashed. Windscreen smashed. Mm. I collided with the glass first, then hard road bed. Luckily, I had, I have no bone crash, no damage on my head, on my neck, my left leg and uh, lower back swollen. These bruises are still developing. I worry about the complication of diabetes. How long do you think before you can get back to work and get back to fishing, more importantly? Very bad thing. I have only 50 cc, uh, 12 years old scooter now. <laughs> Cannot go fishing to Channel Island anymore because uh, this max speed only 50, 50 kilo. <laughs> Mm, I hope three weeks 
Otherwise, I cannot go to holiday Japan. I have already bought air ticket、uh, to Japan in April. Is there anything the Church of Tales from the Tinny can do for you? Is there anything you need to help with the recovery? Thank you so much. Many people's cheerful message. I really appreciate it. Some people have more serious injury damage on their bodies, but still, they still gave me a cheerful message. <laughs> And a cheerful message from everyone at the Church of Tales and the Tinny. Best of luck with the recovery, Hiro. We're thinking、yeah. of you. And if there's anything you need, let us know. Thank you so much. <laughs> Enjoy. Fishing people. <laughs> He told me afterwards, Rob, Hero, I thought it was my time for death. At least I am not dead, but still very unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. So it was his 150cc Honda written off, and that's the trouble, as he explained. He's got a backup scooter, but it's only 50cc and it's 12 years old and it only goes 50 kilos, so. Um, Fishing Channel Island is out. Not、yeah. that he could get it on it anyway, man. Their bruising is insane. Bloody lucky fella that it's not worse. Best of luck with the recovery, hero. We're thinking of you, mate. And if it's not. Patently obvious by now, the wet season has under delivered. Ha! <laughs> under delivered is talking it up, Tim. Yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? They've been talking on the radio this week about the non soon indicators. Yeah. Like how few times you've had to turn the windscreen wipers on. Not once that I remember. Or how you've had to fill up the pool instead of emptying it. Oh, yeah, multiple times. <laughs> Or the complete absence of mould from your walls and shoes. It's a good point. That, that is, is a bonus. That, that is, is a bonus. bonus.、Mm. Oh, and. And having to turn the irrigation back on.、Oh, and find,、oh, find the leaks. You're not supposed to find the, the cracks and the leaks until at least、yeah. May, April? Yeah. Alison King is, is an associate professor of aquatic ecology at、mm. CDU, Charles Darwin University. She's been studying the impact of good and bad wet seasons on our fish. Yes. Which is, of course, critical information. As, and if you didn't want to rub in any further, it was confirmed this week. By none other than science! It's probably pretty likely that it's going to be a pretty poor year for runoff fishing. In terms of barra, they prefer to move on those big high flow events and move to favourable spawning sites. But also, when we get those big floods、um, that occur in our rivers up here, that we tend to have、um, a lot of nutrients and a lot of food resources that are coming in from those floodplains into the estuaries and even out into the oceans. Those little baby fish need to be able to put on、uh, weight and growth really quickly to be able to survive and then move back up into the freshwater reaches of our rivers. Well, thanks, Alison. That really helped. <sighs> it's, like, thanks, you know, it's basically just slicing open your a forearm, vein. a vein, and then someone just getting a kilo of salt、yeah. and stomping it in there. Like, it's hard enough to do that. That was not helpful. Crusty old fish eyes tell you. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's one thing. But then to have then a have double, bo- down, a, a double down, bro. Boffin. A double down from a boffin is not helpful, Alison. Consistent reports from Beryl at Lifeline. She is running the,、yeah. currently the only booming business in Darwin.、Mm. Counselling depressed, wet season anglers. <laughs>、mm. Hi, guys. Hello. Says Paul. As a regular traveller over the Channel Island Bridge, And an avid fish owner myself, it never ceases to amaze me the amount of rubbish that our supposedly caring, nature loving types are prepared to leave behind for others to clean up or wildlife to choke on. Well said, Paul. Please use your high standing in society. Ooh, that's talking us up. To try and stop this happening, not just here, but at all fishing spots all over the world. We really must do better before our lawmakers in the NT. Decide that, that we can't be trusted to do ourselves and to take care of the great outsaws. Kind regards, Paul. Clean up after yourself, you dirty low life grubs! There, it's done. Can you say it one more time, Rob? No, I'm exhausted. Clean up after yourself, you dirty low life grubs! There you are. We've done our service. We've,、yeah. we've yelled at them, Paul. Yeah.、Uh, g'day to Kiralee Ronfelt. She's hit us up via Facebook. 
regarding Shady, and this hurts for those out on the springs who got bugger all, but Corton released on that Sunday, which was a chrome overload, <laughs> husband Chris Roanfelt, bloody horse, man. Oh, it's a 125. Monstrous. But jump on the Facebook now, ABC Tales and the Tinny on Facebook. That is one of those 120, 125 barras that is just fat as hell. It's like a keg. Oh, it's huge, big, fat barra. That is it, unless, of course, hubby Chris is actually like the size of a garden gnome. Ah, and here comes Buddha the potty mullet with an attempt to outdo the aforementioned 125 horse. That's not a horse. I'm going to call it a keg. It's a keg, yeah. Yeah, Buddha's a fellow we talk to a bit, comes up and fishes yellow waters hard for Mm. weeks on end. Bought myself a new boat, he says. Mm. One that's a bit more lizard-friendly. Had been out in it three times and couldn't turn a scale. Then I was ratting through some of my old stuff out of the boat and found a Tales from the Tinny Red Go Fast sticker. Uh-huh. Put it on the boat, mm-hmm. and the rest is history. Two meteries in a day. <laughs> Good. The issue is, Timothy, that they're Murray Cod. Ah. Oh. Now they're massive. They're massive. I think a Murray, <laughs> I think a Murray Cod is an impressive... Like a metre Murray Cod is an impressive catch, I would think. Oh, bloody oath. Yeah. I know they aren't barra, but bloody hard to find all the same. Scientific proof, no doubt, that it is a multi-species weapon. The old red go-fast 120YYY Delilah. Without one, you miss out. If you have one and it doesn't work, check out the printing. Rumour has it there are counterfeit Chinese copies in circulation. Just, have you heard this, Tim? No. The Chinese are counterfeiting our stickers. Send Neville to Beijing to unload one of his (laughs) splatter gun... Fecal bombings. Carpet bombing. Carpet bomb. Beijing. (laughs) (laughs) Regards, said Buddha. And he adds, we'll miss you, Lisa. Love your work. So will we. Good on you, Buddha. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a boy. G'day, I'm Russ from The Do. How are you, Russ from The Do? Doing a bit of freshwater work. Yeah, Smithy, we've been sort of looking for a nice little haunt. Hadn't been out to the fresh finish for probably two or three years, so we thought it'd be a nice little Sunday trip. And this time of the year, of course, we have no runoff, so there was no really water flowing. Um, we knew it was going to be tough, but um, we persevered with our thousand casts each. And yeah, we got a few fish, so it wasn't too bad. It started off, I reckon, the second cast probably got about a 53 to the side of the boat, all on soft plastic, so we did drop a few fish they weren't hooking up properly. Quite a few small fish. And then my mate Cookie landed a nice sooty grunter, yeah. which I think is the first one he's caught. So he was quite impressed with it. I don't think he knew what it was to start with. <laughs> <laughs> How did it actually look, the billabong? To be honest, the water started, it was very brackish out there. But sort of as, as the day grew on, more light from the sun and it highlighted a lot more snags. And you could actually see quite a bit of clarity in, in the water to fish those snags. So it was pretty good. We got quite a few small rats, but the legal fish that we did get, the biggest was 70, just like a football. Nice yeah. and fat, healthy fish and, and give you a really good fight. So it, it was good to see that despite our lacklustre season, they've been feeding on, obviously, some good tucker out there. Probably after half an hour after we got our biggest fish, there was a, some young lads out there that pulled up and within their fourth cast, they, they got a 76 or a 78, mm. another big, healthy fish too. Now, usually at this time of year, um, you're looking for the stinky still weather to head over to your favourite hunting ground over the Tiwis. There hasn't been much still, though. We've had the stink. <laughs> That's true. The last set of neeps were over at the islands. For those people who want to chase Golden Snapper around, they were just thick everywhere. Oh. I think the biggest one of the crew members got a 65, but plenty of other snapper in pan size. We are just trying to, to be honest, move away from them, you know, so we can try and catch a couple of big jewies there, which we succeeded as well. They were there. You just had to wait and, and had to sit there for quite some time. And I got bored and hung my feet over the gunnels and dangling in the water with me rod. And eventually one big one came through. I think it was about a metre nine. Five minutes later, Cookie had one on, probably only four or five wines, and pulled the hook on it. So, but yeah, that was another nice jewy. So they obviously came through, but we we're happy to get a good feed. And uh, you got a good feed, a snapper in the in the spot before you moved? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Pretty much bagged out on, on Goldie's. It's funny that they sort of come on and then they, they shut down like they can be thick there for a while and basically then it's the Jewies turn to, to motor through with a few sharks as well and it's just funny how one switches off and the others come on. Or do you think it's one mob push the other out? 
Yeah, well, it could be. The bigger roosters come in <laughs> and the chickens have had their feed. So, yeah, that could be well the case, mate. And you've been uh, out with Half a Darwin at the front of Shady? Yes. Well, that's another spot that I ventured to. I haven't been out there for quite some time. And me, mate, the filthy swine, we cohorted and, and had a talk about it. And How is the, is the swine? Is he filthy? It, he gets filthier by the year. He's, he's older and filthier. So, no, he hasn't changed. So he rang us up and he said, oh, Russ, do you want to take your boat out? And I said, oh, no. I said, you know, he, that's his haunt out there. He's fished shady for the 35 years. So well, I'm happy to be a passenger. So we ventured out there and uh, it was a gentleman's hours with the tide to put in. So we fished our way down. That looks really good out there. It was beautiful. The tides were perfect. We got some black rats on the way down, some real swampies, which was good. Fished a couple of drains down the front there, which got some nice saltwater fish. But all around the 50 to 55, nothing big. And then he said, oh, time for a troll out the front. There was a few other boats that had been doing. We'd watched them for about an hour, but no one really was doing any good. And they all sort of went and camped up for a bit. So, yeah, we started trolling out there. And, oh, within... Two or three minutes, the swine hooked up on a big freddy, so he was pretty pleased with himself with that. Threw his trusty Guns and Roses plus 10 back in, which only had one off, mind you. I didn't get one with him in the boat. So only a couple of minutes later, bang, he hooks up this big fish, and he said, no, nah, this is a big fish, Russ. And I looked, just as I looked back, this big barrow just launched out of the water like a dolphin. Five, seven minutes later, we had a 96 in the net. Nice, solid fish. So we put it on the car stick, and I said, mate, hold that up, I'll get a good photo. And as he picked the fish up, he noticed a big noise in his back went. The look of happiness and joy with a barra turned to utter sheer pain and spasms with this back incident. Oh, <laughs> you, you heard it go? Oh, yeah, I heard it go. It was like a, a tear. You could hear something tear. Oh. So we sat down. I had to re- we released the barra and a couple of phones. He said, Russ, here, I'm, I'm in a bit of trouble. And I thought, oh, well, best off we go for the med- medicine box and get some pills into you quick smart. So we had some Nurofen and I don't know what else. And then we pretty much parked up for the night because it was dark. So we had dinner on the boat and the poor bugger, blew, I blew his mattress up for him. He could only really sit on it. He couldn't lie down. He was in that much pain. Tried to swallow a couple of Captain Morgan cans for a bit of anaesthetic. Yeah. And uh, basically we went to bed. I think it was past midnight. All you could hear is this massive lightning and thunder in your ear. And we just got a storm from hell down near the mouth. I pulled my swag over me, covered me, you know, just buckled down. And then I could hear the swine yelling at me, Russ, Russ, are you awake? And I ignored him for the first couple of calls because I, I didn't want to get out of bed. And then uh, eventually I got up and, I, and he was at the skipper's helm, ringing wet like a drowned cat with his sideways rain and lightning. And he said, you need to pull the anchor up because we're drifting, the anchor's pulled. Clambered up the front of the boat, lightning and shit all around us. So I pulled the anchor up and we motored upstream a bit where the motherships were to reset the anchor. And as we're motoring up, I can feel this pain running through my hands that I've never had before. I thought maybe having a stroke or something. I'm not sure. The pain was running up my arms. So I didn't think a lot of it with the rain and all the conditions. So we reset the anchor and Glennie said, are you right, Russ? So I said, oh, my hands are covered in jellyfish stings because they were wrapped around the anchor chain. All down my knees and my legs and the swine's trying to find the vinegar on the boat for us. So tip that all over my whole body. I had a share in vinegar. <laughs> reset the anchor. Basically just laid down the wet bed Within only a couple of minutes, he said, the anchor's pulling again, Russ. (laughs) And he said, with my back, we're just going to call it a night. So we motored back up to the barrage there at four in the morning with thousands of mosquitoes and pulled the boat out and went home with our tails between our legs. (laughs) Tails from the tinny. Busted back, scarred by stingers. A great day in the water. Just one of those great days on the water, Tim. Russ is fishing this weekend, actually, with his faithful offsider Cookie in a big national charity competition that uh, aids uh, breast cancer research. Apparently, each state and territory has two t- target species. Oh, yeah. And the NT drew Barra, predictably enough, and Trevor's. Russ is going to fish the Tiwis, once again, predictably enough. Yeah. But he's enlisted a secret weapon, a bloke we haven't heard from for quite a while. In, uh, with the aim of targeting trophy-sized prize-winning Barra, a bloke by the name of Keith Watson. Oh, yeah. We'll catch up with them next week, see how they went, eh? I think we should. Tiddy boys, show us your tackle! Yeah, g'day. Ryan from Hellyfish here. Um, just had a, some repeat customers out on Sunday and Monday. Had them out last year as well. Three blokes 
the first day and then two the same the next day with one swapping over. There's a fella last year who thought he was bad luck. Day one last year we got a half a dozen fish, still had a ball, great day out. Uh, the following day uh, we got about 60 fish, had an absolute cracker day. He was a bit upset by that and he was beginning to think that he might have had some bad uh, karma surrounding him. Because oh, he wasn't around for the second day? No, so the second day was a piper. So this year, first day, bagged about 15 fish with some good ones. There was um, 80, 85. Second day, it wasn't looking real good. We only had a handful of fish and he was, yeah, he actually said he really thought it had something to do with him. Like he'd, he was having a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a crap one. You know, have you got that sort of desperation to catch that fish and you let it get to you? I really think it goes down the line all the way to your lure and the barra know about it. So just tell them just to don't worry, just keep at it, keep casting. Last stop for the day, he's uh, thrown out five-inch flat shad type lure over this sort of shallow rock bar and he's hooked onto an absolute horse, taking him miles and miles down the creek, had a you know, six-inch high bow wave in front of it, come in 109. So he was absolutely ecstatic, uh, which was, and he was pretty knackered too. It gave him a good workout. So he thought he'd take a sit down on the rock and have a breather and uh, gave away his good real estate to his uh, fellow anglers, which started casting like crazy up there because he'd been slaying it. Five, ten minutes passed, and whilst he was just sitting down on the rock casually, he did some, you know, lazy how you go on backhand casts hooked onto a lazy 101 and uh yeah so <laughs> imagine everyone was suitably disgusted here's someone who said like oh no i'm cursed i'm cursed i'm cursed then get to 109 and 101 oh shut up yeah uh yeah exactly i said so yeah mel what were you saying about you being bad luck mate <laughs> that was after the first one and the second one there was kind of no words look cursed well and truly broken whereabouts are we talking down in our, where we do our full day fishing trips down the Anson Bay area. And look, there's, there's some big fish getting around. There's been a lot of talk about up Shady Way. How's it looking down there? Yeah, well, Shady Way um, is actually probably the best floodplain water that I've seen uh, going around. Around the Daly and Anson Bay is very, very light on this year. Um, very, very dry and not really any runoff at all. Mary River's a bit better, and look, they've been catching big fish out there as well, so I guess you don't need the full-blown runoff for the fish to be there. I think a lot of people are fishing it as though it's build-up, because that's what it is. You go there, we're in prime, what should be prime time, fishing the runoff, and it kind of looks like you should have been there a couple of months ago. Um, it's like the tail end of that hot, fresh water trickling into the creeks. As you say, the fish are still there. Uh, how do you change it up? The main thing is just to keep on casting. We're finding the fish are very temperamental like they tend to be sometimes in the build-up when the conditions are quite hot and they're a bit lethargic. majority of the fish are a really subtle take and we're just predominantly using flat shads as a single hook so we're sort of downsizing the lure that we'd typically use in the runoff and we're flogging them. You're pretty much working that water to a froth uh, and believing the fish are there. So coming to Neeps this weekend, given the, uh, the situation, where would you be fishing this weekend? Look, this time of year we're usually after those big spring tides uh, for those coastal creeks, but this year being a bit different with typically silted up creeks that are lacking that flush out from the fresh uh, and lack of fresh water. Um, I think that the coastal creeks are going to be better off fished around that low tide on the neeps than what they are the, the big springs uh, simply just for water clarity. Uh, in saying that it's kind of finding that the right amount of movement to get the bait moving provide the opportunity for the fish to feed uh, without stirring it up too much. Um, so wherever you can find reasonable water and bait. A lot of eyes on weather to the north possibly moving in. What are your thoughts on what that may or may not bring? Uh, I'm not convinced that it's going to be in time anyway. It may be a bit late. There's a lot of 
very slow moving hot black water may kill the fish that are in the creeks yeah I'm, I'm not convinced that we will get it it might just be uh be hyped up but certainly there are fish around just not in the same numbers that we'd usually see this year um i guess that's what i think what i hope is that it buckets down creates an awesome late runoff and we're freezing our tits off in june july catching copious amounts of barra hey you took me away there for a minute yeah <laughs> Oh, it's always good to dream. Just changing tack to technical talk, I see in a lot of your photos you guys run the uh, the FG knot. Just want to talk about what's so good about that knot and what the advantages are. Yeah, well, firstly, I guess you've been um, zooming in and being a bit of a detective there <laughs> to see what's going on. But Guilty. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the FG knot, I'd swear by it. It is FG. What is that supposed to stand for there, right? Uh, f***ing good. <laughs> it's a really, really strong knot. I've seen um, guys testing it uh, and comes up above the strength of the braid, whereas other leader knots, you'll lose some, some of that rated strength of the braid through the knot. It's slim, it'll go through small guides and incredibly reliable if done properly. You could whip them out with your eyes closed with once you've been doing them for a while i've started getting a bit of the groove but i've got to say it did make me feel very uncoordinated when i first gave it a few goes the only downside i can find with an fg knot is people always want to talk to me while i've got that braid between my teeth so look i'll be right with you everybody just give me a check i'm tying your knot for you that's it yeah uh good on you ryan uh, nice to catch up no worries talk to you next time the fg knot Yes. What? What? I'm still from the old school of an improved Albright. Yeah, yeah. And I am. I've actually had two separate people mention the the bona fides of the FG knot to me in the last week. Beard, welcome back to the tinny. Thanks, boys. Can you explain more? Uh, it cruises through the guides. Yeah. It's very slim. Uh, so the the method is somewhat uh, akin to the Chinese finger trap. So ah, no, the old Chinese finger trap. The old Chinese finger trap, and, you know, and in that way, actually, this this knot probably really dates back to like the Ming Dynasty. Or and we've only just discovered it in Darwin. Yeah. That's not <laughs> that's not surprising. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, the monos, there's no doubling over of the mono, so it's basically just the leader coming in and cinching around uh, the. Uh, uh, the mono, and so it's super, super slim. Uh, Ryan actually said to me, "It's like you know, just make sure you do enough half hitches uh, once you've done your initial binds." People who have tied the knot will know what I'm talking about. How does it compare in strength, durability, and reliable to the to the improved Albright? It's 100% breaking strength. 100%. 100. Oh. What? It's never failed ever. Never failed ever. It, it's never. It's a knot that's never ever failed. It's unbreakable. So if I drop this knot into a volcano, mm. it would not break. Nope. If I put two Mack trucks and tried to pull it apart, it would not break. Nope. FG knot. It's a new age. Great work, Bid. Get with the times. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get them muddled up, yeah. <laughs> G'day, I'm Ses Old Son from Karama. Ses Old Son, uh, we're hearing from your other half, Katie, last week and uh, let out of the bag your alternate identity. She kept calling you Brad. We didn't know who the hell she was talking about. Who? This Brad? Br- what? <laughs> You're both taking on some uh, cautionary uh, techniques given she is with child. Congratulations. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thank you. Yep. So basically, she now likes to scream, I can't do it anymore, and I'll just grab it off her and um, pull the fish in. So it's, yeah, I I'm not complaining too much. <laughs> but she's really enjoying her fishing and uh, is uh, getting quite obsessed with it. She is. She's really um, being new to f- the fishing, especially top end fishing, because she's from Victoria. Um, she's just marvelled by everything she sees, you know. So if you see a turtle or a a bird, she just loves it so, yeah, and just loves getting out on the water, which is great. Let's get on to some serious business. We've seen some photos of a, a pretty sizeable barra from the Daily, I believe. Yeah, uh, snuck down there with um, the mad scientist a few weeks ago and found a little bit of runoff. Cast our arms off for a day and, um, yeah, 104 came into the boat plus another 20 so fish, all not too many rats. It was good. Yeah, it was great fishing for just an off-the-cuff trip. Nice. So a bit of colour with that runoff, was it? Yeah, it was nice and dark, but um, I think the way the river's looking, it's almost 
dry season, the water's green coming down. So unless we get any more rain, I think that's it for the runoff. The other fish, apart from the 104, were decent range as well. Yeah, look, we would have only got three or four rats, really. They were all in that sort of 65 centimetre range. And like in previous years, they're so fat, you think they're smaller than what they are, you know, until you put them on the brag mat. The 104, nice and fat too, was it? Yeah, it was, um, gave us a great fight. I thought I was done in the timber at one stage, but managed to reef it back out, and it was all on a really cheap vibe. But, um, yeah, we just found they were sitting right down on the bottom. We started casting with just some plastics. After a while, we caught all the fish that were sort of willing to eat those and then threw on a vibe, and they were all just one after the other after that. Good session. You're allowed to tell us now where you were. It was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, well, I can say Charlie's because it's, <laughs> it it's all done and dusted, anymore. yeah. We just stumbled onto it. We caught a few fish the night before, and then I was, I'm oversleeping on the water these days, so we went and camped up at one of the places, and then um, I said, we'll go back there in the morning. That's always a good start. Got there, there was a boat on it, a couple of young fellas. They caught a 70 and an 80 centimetre barrier in front of us and then proceeded to leave <laughs> to go to greener pastures, I guess. And uh, so we just jumped in that spot and stayed there Thank for the rest of the day. So, And we actually saw them later on the day. They came back and we said, why did you leave? And they, they hadn't caught anything anywhere else. So It's the old rule, mate, isn't it? Yeah, I've been on that side of it before, don't worry. You're fishing the comps again this year? Yeah, getting the boat ready at the moment for the classic. I think it's going to be tough fishing, but I think it'll be fun still, yeah. And uh, you've been getting some dewies too on the blue. Yeah, well, the barra hasn't been great. And um, just sneaking out at the front of the harbour on when the wind's... Um, down and uh, there's been dewies everywhere we go pretty much so just yeah as many as you want it doesn't get much better than that how far are you needing to travel look i don't fish anything special but um up to 20 k's but 5 10 k's out you know any bits of wreck and reef and things they just seem to be there at the moment so i think they've had a bit of a break from all the winds and not not too many people getting out there so it's primed yeah yeah so well we've got our fill of dewies at the moment so you can only have two each and that's plenty for us so yeah, we just got to wait until we eat that before we go out again. You're dropping dead baits or are you jigging? Uh, no bait on our boat, unless it's a live bait on the odd occasion. Yeah, we just use gulps, I guess, and drop them straight to the bottom and jig them straight up and down. I don't cast them and wind them and anything like that. We just sit there and have a beer in one hand and a rod in the other. <laughs> Keep it low-tech. Yeah, three-ounce jig heads all the way is my theory. And, yeah, they just sit down there and then they just come and jump on. It's just that easy, yeah. I look for producers. Why, why make life difficult That's for right. yourself? Yeah. Oh, some friends like to make it more technical. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm, I like to make it as easy as possible. Life was meant to be simple. That's it, yep. <laughs> now, you were saying Katie gets quite excited about uh, seeing all new things in the Territory. Um, a Dewey would get her excited. Have you, have you got her onto some pelagics yet? Yeah, a while back we uh, went out off Dundee and um, it just turned out, well, we tried the finnis and there was just nothing happening. So we thought, we'll go out wide, it's neat tides. And it was just pelagic soup out there near the witch's nose. And she's never caught a tuna or anything. So catching tuna and screaming and yelling and then um, pulling in a tuna and then looked at the sound and it just went red with fish. Yeah, come on. Daddy's on. Yeah, anything we could, we, we had on and it was just, there were golden trevally and giant trevally and brassies and... And it was just great fun, you know, everyone, people sort of like to criticise some of those species, but for someone new like Katie, she just had the greatest time ever, you know, so. Yeah, they're a great sport fish. If, you, if you're not um, planning on putting it in the esky anyway, they're a fantastic sports fish. Yeah, that's right. We, we kept one small tuna for sashimi and that was amazing. And I think it's very underrated too, you know, the local longtails up here. But um, yeah, it was just a great day all out. Okay, mate. Well, good luck with the fishing and uh, good luck with the impending uh, addition to the family. Yes, it's all happening on both fronts, so cheers. Get a mullet up, yeah. <laughs> the sounder went red. It was pelagic soup. It's just, it's almost a stanza. It's almost poetry, isn't it? Like, you know, there was movement at the station for word had got around. It's sort of like that. The it's sounder had gone red. <laughs> Tails. I don't mind a mullet. If you think like a mullet, you will catch the barramundi. From the tinny. Red, fast and free. Presenting the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Some say it's the scientific standard for measuring length. Some say that it gives you a guaranteed 20% more luck in catching fish. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the Tinny on Facebook to get yours. Hi guys, says Rob, 
top bloke, Rob, obviously. Thank God the stars are finally aligned and the Church of the Tinny has thrown its doors open for another year. Praise the frothy, praise the waffle. Right on, Rob. Mm. God bless you. Been missing the best hour of the week. I'm down in northern New South Wales. Only been to the NT once a few years ago when my bro was working in Darwin. And a toga was the only result. It corroborate. Would love to get a 120YYY sticker for the bait. Been chasing Impoundment Barrow in Queensland and the best 99 and Murray Cod in western New South Wales streams lately with some good results. Fishing a barrel, just good as long as you know it, Rob. Yeah, yeah. As long as you know they're fishing a barrel, but good work anyway. Cheers, but cheers, Rob. There is one on the way to you, my friend. Boys, I've had it good. I've had it real good, says Wingfield. Ah. Moved up from a cold coffee state six years ago to a stunningly beautiful and culturally rich part of western Arnhem Land. Mm. I've seen fishing that I'd never thought possible up remote creeks with friends, been taken to secret spots by traditional owners that have just blown me away. But it's over very soon. Oh, no, the lament. The yeah. lament begins now. I've got to head back to where a 45-centimetre brim is somehow worth shouting about. I've landed a dollar. I'd have, I've had surface sessions to die for and even jagged a red tag barra. Oh, has he? Although it was a few weeks out of season. Oh. <laughs> but our beloved vessel remains without the right kind of sticker. With which to measure our final catches. Yeah, if he had had a sticker, he would have caught that fish three weeks earlier. Heck, the missing sticker is, is probably what saw me in intensive care earlier in the year. Oh, no. What are the chances, says Wingfield. So we got cracking and put, put this the, the highest priority at the top of Neville's delivery list. He's mm. dropped it off. Wingfield's since come back to us. The word stickers now found me in terrific health, guys. I'm pleased to report. Arriving before the neeps with ample time to affix the gloriously glossy measuring device to our otherwise dull vessel. Thank you. <laughs> uh, by the way, my intensive scare stint is um, behind me now, although it was a leaking behind that put me on there. Oh, dear. Yeah. And then he revealed a lot of extra detail. There's a scary amount of claret uh, wasted, but it's all plugged up now and I'm good. Oh, let's so move thanks, on. <laughs> so thanks for volunteering that. The deep, No one ever asked, but I guess he was. Uh, feels like he can share. Yeah. Maybe it's because our sensitive side has come out. I think so. Yeah. And he, he felt he, felt he was in us, safe, safe hands. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's true that brim are heaps of fun on the right gear, and I've long thought that a solid brim could probably pull a similar-sized barra backwards. <laughs> he, he's trying to convince himself. He's, he's trying talking. to talk. It's going to be okay when I move it's south it's and okay. catch brim. I'm going to be good. He, I'm going to be fine. He keeps going. What would we say? A 45-centimetre brim, that's about a dollar barra? 50-centimetre brim, about a dollar thirty barra? Yeah, it's just not the same. <laughs> Murray Cod off the top, Australian bass from a kayak, whiting on poppers. None of it feels remotely as good as a jack up the back, a Spaniard pulling you overboard or learning a river system, picking your spot on the run out tide and outsmarting a chrome beast with offset eyes. They don't feel the same. They don't feel as good because they're bloody not. Good luck with the move, Wingfield. The lures landed, twitch, twitch, twitch. Fish swim, that's their biggest problem. Jew fish, Jew fish, Jew fish That's not over until the fat man sings. Tales from the Tinny. A tale of two cities at Shady. Ah. Spring tides tough for guides a fortnight ago. Then we had chrome overload for Tebs on the Neeps. But then last weekend, back on the springs at the Palmerston Game Fishing Club Shady Shootout, it was crap again. Ah. You can see the pattern emerging here, fishos. Mm. It's one that's bitten Chris Sackley hard. Me and Beard caught up with her as she uh, and other competitors were licking their wounds. And we started by shooting one straight at the heart, Rob. Was it really that bad, Chris? Ah, uh, yes, yeah. In a word, it was bad. Yes. Can you put it down to anything? Talk us through the conditions and what you tried and, and where you tried, Chris. Um, I believed it rained the night before too, so I think it stirred up a bit. But um, obviously a bit of water on, over the barrage come through, which is great. So that was nice and clear. Uh, we were able to launch about 8 o'clock in the morning, so had a good metre underneath us, which was good. Pretty okay until we sort of got halfway through and it was quite dirty by that stage. Uh, obviously the tide was pushing up. Uh, getting on high tide and um, all the way to the mouth uh, to see what it was like and um, yeah very dirty trawl up the mouth and see if there's any fresh water uh, any sorry clear water um, coming through at the top of the tide there was a little bit there was definitely fish on the sounder but no no hits at all one of the other boats were going to head out to Tommy Cut so we sort of 
went uh, went around just as dirty. Um, as soon as you go sort of like you know upstream and stuff, it was pretty bad. So we, you know, fished out the mouth a bit, did some trolling, um, put big lures on B fifty twos and put some classics on, some rubbers. This is hard to listen. I oh, know it's very. I'm, I'm feeling hard uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. How's the morale, Chris? <laughs> yeah, not very good. It was in the end. We were yelling out here, fishy, fishy, fishy. Yeah. So. I mean, you would have you would have seen so many photos of huge fish from the weekend before. Pretty devo. Yeah. yeah pretty yeah. disheartening. But it does seem that p- perhaps that is the reason. If if it's if it's that dirty over those um, springs, Chris, is that what you and other competitors put it down to? Yeah for sure, um, very dirty. Even going into the um, Marsh Creek, there was about five boats in there when we rocked up and, yeah, no luck. I think the, someone said they caught one fish and that was it. So this was, ac- this was across the board for the comp? No one really d- did any good? That, that I know of during the first day. I'm not sure about the second day, but um, I know one of them decided to leave that night. Went bugger this. <laughs> Jeez, that says it all. One <laughs> boat caught one fish and then other boats are leaving on the second day. Well, there you go, fishers. There is some worth in it because it is consistently saying that, that Shady's fishing uh, a lot better on the Neeps at the moment. Jeez, it's going to be hectic over, um, over this weekend. Chris, there is some light on the horizon, though. Aren't you planning a big mothership trip down to Moyle, Daly and Perrins? Yeah, so daily, a group of girls that are heading out. I'm not sure how many of us. There's probably um, six or eight girls. It's all skippered. So we basically were heading out there on Wednesday morning. Some are heading out Tuesday night. They basically camp up on their mothership. And then we sort of head out, um, whether it be is it the Red Cliffs around there and um, barrel fishing and also, um, yeah, parents of a bit of pelagic as well. Beautiful. So redemption maybe just around the corner. Oh, it's guaranteed. I hope so. It's guaranteed. I hope so. Last year's trip, we did amazing. So we caught quite a few big fish and big girls out there and um, quite a few um, decent reef fish. So fingers crossed this year, um, it pans out to be pretty good as well. You don't even need to cross fingers. You've earned the brilliant fishing on that trip because of the heartache at Shady, Chris. Of course. Thanks for the report, mate. Sorry to put you through the trauma. Appreciate you sharing it with the Church of the Tinny. Not a problem. See, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll catch up after that next trip, hey, and see how you went. Sounds good. Chris is in charge of uh, jelly shots for that trip, which is, you know, a, a huge responsibility. I'd ha- you'd have to agree. Yeah, Much more important than the food. She's got it nailed, though, apparently, after Beard observed that overdoing the vodka undermines the integrity of the jelly structure itself. It would. It would. You, you just, it's, life is a balance. You just can't go... It's carrot and stick. You can't be greedy. You can't put too many carrots into the jelly. Have fun, lady. Sounds like a cracker trip. Hey, I'm just getting some info on two fishos um, because some people have been reporting to the tinny that they've been going out to look for the fads and they haven't been there. Now... The elusives. We, we know one went missing and then it washed up. I think it was near Charles Point, suspected it was run over by a big ship or whatever. But there's bad news. Now the department is saying three are missing. So they put out five altogether, two near Fenton, uh, two near North Gutter, and one at Dundee, which remains there. But they're looking for info. I mean, they suspect it's because of weather conditions. I mean, these these were over-engineered to be strong as and to be staying where they are. But, um, you know, big waves, big tides, and, and, and big winds look to have um, removed them. They're looking for info if you've seen them because they're going to wash up somewhere. So I think from what I can read, that's three of the five down. If you see it washed up, eight triple nine two one double four is the fisheries office. Eight triple nine two one double four. Because these are deployed not only in the interests of the habitat and the fish themselves, but in your interest too. So you can target them, fish. So if we can help get them back there, we really want this trial to be a success. So we can put another fifty million out there. So, fishos, mm. if you woke up with a very bad hangover, walked out into the lounge room and said, Bugger me! What's that where'd big... That, where'd that what, fat come from? What's that big yellow thing sitting in the lounge room? Take it back to where you found it. Are we going fishing today? Tales. Tomorrow? From the tinny. I'm a good girl already. Some people may think that there's very little in common between the skills of a cowboy and those of a fish owner. I've got a couple of glaring examples to prove that thought wrong, Timothy. Hmm. On one hand, you've got Warren DeWitt. Oh, yeah. On the other hand, you've got the the Gulf Cowboy, where you have a perfect synergy of cowboy and fisherman. It's almost a superhuman being. 
So what you're suggesting is that those that think that there's a very little in common between the skills of a cowboy and those of a fisher, those people are idiots. Well, I wouldn't say they're idiots, Have but they're, they're not so well informed as they should be. As, as per my glaring examples, I'm trying to enlighten so them, they are, Tim, they are, not downtrodden. We're caring and sharing and more sensitive, remember. We're just informing them of the truth. So you're saying they're stupid people. I've had enough of my sensitive side. It was too much hard work. <laughs> it turns out, though, all you need, apparently, is a bit of sausage and a lasso. Hey, how's it going? Brandon Peckham here, born and bred Darwin bloke. Yeah, I work on a pelt farm in Elizabeth Bay, just out of go. And uh, every now and then, smoke around lunch. The boys and I, we give it a crack at uh, trying to catch a GT with our lassoes. Most days, just sitting out at Smoko, you just throw a bit of meat and shit out and GT starts swelling about and you get some uh, sleepy sharks come in and check out what's going on. Get a loop in the rope, chuck it in the water, throw some sausages in there and hopefully one comes swimming through and you just whack the uh, fish straight into the boat. Happen to be fortunate enough to get in the video of one, uh, first one to do it, just sitting around bored telling shitty stories amongst each other and old mates on his phone, like, playing a game. and Like, all right, that's it. We'll give it a crack. Sausage in, put a lasso in, and this donker just decides to go straight through it. And, yeah, caught him by the tail, hooked him in. Yeah! <laughs> Get him! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> that's how we get <laughs> Yeah! Ah, oh, with a bit of rope, bro. Yeah! Good <laughs> 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 It was like, oh no, who needs a rod? You just need a bit of sausage <laughs> and a bit of rope. The bosses get a little shitty if you take the rods out on the boat, so we just make do with what we've got, eh? <laughs> How long have you been doing this for? I started pearling in uh, January last year, so I've been trying to last a GT for a year. <laughs> this is the first one you captured on video, but like, how often are people successful? Get one like once a week, someone comes back with a cool story of catching a GT. The, uh, the reef sharks are easy. We get a reef shark nearly every day. We tried to lasso a sleepy shark one day and we got the loop around him and he, he almost jerked us into the water, so we let that one roll. So you, you get sleepy sharks, you get uh, reefies, you get GTs. Uh, uh, any other species? Yeah, every now and then we get uh, the old cobia hanging around, but uh, he's a bit too smart for the lasso. He doesn't come up high enough. And uh, the queenies are too quick, so yeah. So I imagine you need to be uh, the operator needs to be fairly uh, quick draw McGraw to cinch it up and to get it around its tail. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you get some that are just like lazing around, just swimming around, minding their own business, and they don't have an idea. And then you get the ones that just like hit the food as quick as they can, so they don't get caught because they know they're going to have a rope around them sooner or later. And with all things, sausage. Yeah, uh, anything really, eggs, sausages, whatever's in the smoko tin that we don't feel like eating, muffins, apples. <laughs> that GT in the video, how big did that end up going? Uh, we didn't actually measure it, but just feeling off the weight, I reckon he would have been pushing like 12 kilo or so. Away. I don't think I can actually imagine a better thing to do with your smoker. Yeah, uh, it, makes a, it makes a day much better, right? Eh? There's only so much sitting around just looking at the water you can do. <laughs> it's been happening for years, hey? It's inculcated into the company culture that you will lasso fish on your smoker. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, we get heaps of backpackers come through and stuff, so we show them how to lasso uh, sharks and stuff, and then everyone gets into it. But uh, they get into it like 100% for like a week and then get sick of it. I'll sit back and just do it every second smoke or something, but yeah. The perks of working on a uh, purling boat. Oh, it's pretty awesome.
Check out the video on Facebook. It genius, is, more genius. It is hilarious. Brandon steaming back to the NT from Broome on the Pearling Mothership right now. Also does the uh, the old troll out the back with the Telstra rope and wire. Oh, with the, for Max with, and the motor, with the motorbike tube in the middle for spring. Another, another perk of working on a pearling boat. It really is an extraordinary video. No bull, sausage, lasso. Good size GT too. And don't you just love the way the boys enjoyed it? That manic laugh of delight. Miles and miles of mullet. Bang, we're on. It's every fisherman's dream. Couldn't believe my luck. Rod spent real screaming. Squeals with delight. Knees, yeah, but they were shaking. Just bloody own it. Sails from the city. Well, that about wraps it up for Tales from the Tinny. All the best to your hero, land-based Barra Whispering Sensei with the uh, with the recovery we're thinking of you, mate. Thanks also to Sess Old Son, to Russ from the Do, Chris Sackley, Brandon Peckham, the uh, lasso extraordinaire. Reha, roping and riding. Ryan from Helifish, Nicole and the boys from Nequinox. Buddha, Kiralee and Chris, and you fishers ever staunch in your perseverance. In these trying times, Never remember stopped. to vote for the monster mullet smoking the bong in the harbour. It'll do the business a world of good. And a special mention to the chefs aboard the MS Amsterdam. A hit and run, dewy bang up adventure of the first order. That's been Tales from the Tinny. We'll be back next week, but in the meantime, you should possibly hmm, invest in getting a mullet up here. By the way, here's what it sounds like if you do. Tales from the Tinny.